Our scripture for today is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17 through 22. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, and another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Opal, so much. Um, man, it's, it's good to be together. And I, I did have one more announcement. We put this in, in happenings this week. Um, but uh, we're going to have our next members meeting, a membership meeting, Wednesday, May 25th. It's going to be at Amos and Rachel Green's place as well. So uh, Wednesday night, May 25th, uh, we have several things at their place um, because one of the reasons is because you guys are the only people in the church with a cathedral. So if you come across your own cathedral, we might move some things to your place too. But then they're super hospitable as well. So I, I love that the Lord's provided that in our church. Um, our, our membership meeting, just an FYI, is going to be a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Like we'll talk about our financials, which are super strong, thankfully. Um, we'll discuss like the heading of the church, direction. We'll have a really healthy Q&A time uh, where we can just discuss a lot of stuff. We'll be praying together a lot just over the church um, and and just uh, we'll have a couple people from our sending church in Oklahoma that are going to come up and just be be present there which should be wonderful as well so so just a good time to get our covenant members together and as the name suggests at our members meeting you need to be a covenant member to come to to the members meeting it's not because we're trying to be uh, you know, like push people away. Uh, there's actually like some legal reasons for that uh, in our American culture, uh, but, but you need to be a covenant member to come to the members meeting. Um, and so to become a covenant member, well, so first of all, if you're like, what is this? Is this really a cult that I've been coming to? Like what's, what's with all this membership stuff? Um, we did a six-week series just on membership what it is, what it isn't, where we find it in the Bible and all that stuff. So that's on our sacredmission.church website or in iTunes. And so I'd love for you to, you can listen to that six hours worth of stuff, or we could just have a conversation too. Um, but uh, being a member means that you've gone to a membership interview and you have signed the member covenant. Okay, that's like kind of what it means. And so if you would like to become a member, in time for the members meeting. Um, and I've had some people say like, oh, well, I didn't go because you didn't invite me. Like, I didn't know, it kind of felt like I, I have to get picked on the team before I actually become a covenant member or something. I wanna tell you like, if you desire to be a covenant member, you're invited. And, um, and to come to, there, there are gonna be two interviews coming up and you just have to come to one of those one of the two interviews to be able to uh, become a covenant member before the meeting. So the first one is this coming Thursday night, May 19th, at my house at 6 p.m. And so, uh, so write that down, Thursday night, May 19th, 
And then the second one is next Sunday night, May 22nd at 6 p.m. at my house. So we'll plan to eat together. We'll go through the membership interview and uh, let me know if you're coming so that we make sure we have enough food and room and all that stuff. And then there's homework, okay? So to come to the membership interview, there's homework. And what the homework is, is you have written out your testimony of coming to Jesus, okay? And so on the coffee table over here, we've got some PDFs printed. That's like a three-page document that walks you through writing a one-page version of your relationship with Jesus. So at the membership interview, uh, whoever's in the room will go around and read those, which is a, a wonderful time. And, uh, and so, so let me know if you're coming on May 19th or the 22nd at 6 p.m., and make sure, if you have any questions, but make sure uh, the, the testimony part is, uh, is part of that as well. So I lied. One more announcement. We're an announcement-heavy church this morning. Um, I want to give you guys just a quick update on Patty and her health. We've had times of praying for, um, for the pain. And, and basically, like, the quick of it is that she's just had incredible, intense pain that's lasted about eight months, and we've got the medicine now to a point, and we've had people come out to the house and pray, which has been incredible and stuff, and basically, like, for, for an hour or two in the morning, she gets a relief from the pain. For an hour or two in the afternoon, she, or around lunchtime, she gets a relief from the pain, and then in the evenings, her pain has been going away, so about five hours out of it. So that's why we're planning a couple of things at our house at night. Um, but, uh, but outside of those five or six hours, the rest of the day, she's like a 10 out of 10 of chronic pain. And we think it might be an anxiety disorder, potentially part of that. But just uh, appreciate your prayers. But one of the things is we called Mayo Clinic this last week just to say, like, we had multiple people just say, like, hey, you might want, we've been turned down from the Mayo Clinic twice, um, just when they hear her case, but we've been like, hey, let's, let's take a different, let's go through a different department. So we called them, and they were like, um, they said, well, if you go through the Pain Re Rehabilitation Center, they don't do any diagnostic stuff. They're just, you show up, like, I need this, you know, and we were like, well, we want to still try and figure out what's going on, like, why, where is this coming from? So, were submitting her application for internal medicine, and then they would pull in all these other specialties if they need to. And so they will basically decide this week if they're going to take her as a case. And so, uh, so we had a good phone call with them, but I just appreciate your prayers uh, along those lines too, just for us to try and, if the Lord heals her, we would love that. <laughs> um, if he heals her through this, we would love, love that. And so for the Lord just to make that clear for us. And so, because Patty desperately wants to be here every single week and really wants to be active again in the life of the church. And uh, so that's a super timely prayer for us as well. Thank you for your love along those lines. So, um, so no more announcements, <laughs> promise. And uh, we're, we're kicking off this series today that is called Rediscover Church. I don't know if, if you're like me, there's a time sometimes where it's like, man, is what we're doing here worth it? Is it important? Is it more important than the summer plans that I could be doing right now? Um, like, how, how, how should I view what's happening right now? How much should I view what's happening right now? Is this outdated? 
Was this a thing that was like, we should have done in the 50s, but in 2022, maybe there are other ways, like, should I sit and listen to a guy preaching at me? Like, is that, am I a fool to be in here uh, and viewing these things? And you might be like, oh gosh, I never had these questions, but I do now, you know, I'm out of here, uh, or whatever it may be. Um, but, but this is kind of our culture's view of the church. And we've got a couple books over here that one's called Rediscover Church that we're kind of, we're not preaching any of these books. We're preaching scripture, but these books are kind of helping to guide some of our thoughts through portions of scripture. And then What Church Can Be is, is just a phenomenal book as well that would be good summer reading. Like they're truly good, sit by the pool, short read chapters and stuff that, that uh, I'd love to, to have us all step into. Um, but one of the things that we're going to start looking at is Jesus' statement in Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus says, he's talking to Peter, but then Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus says he himself is going to build his church. So when we are each brought to be part of a church, Jesus has brought you here, which is crazy. For, and he's brought you here for his purposes of light versus darkness. He's brought you here to transform you and to transform others through you. As he builds his church, I'm not building this church Ian's not building this church. Jesus is building this church. None of us get credit for it. And as he builds his church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we think sometimes it's a church being this little feeble thing that's just trying to survive. And Jesus is viewing his church as a, on the offense, not on the defense, but on the offense, kicking in the doors of hell to shine light into dark places. And so we're on his holy mission, or you could say his sacred mission, that's where we got our church name from, that Jesus is leading his people as he is building his church. Jesus has brought each of us together by hand. We are handcrafted into his church, choosing each person and adding them to this body of believers. And what's really fascinating, well, all, all of this is fascinating, but one of the things that's fascinating is the word church that he uses in Matthew 16, 18. The word church. He didn't use the word temple. If you are familiar with the Old Testament, there was one temple where the presence of God dwelt. And if you wanted to meet with God, you would come to the temple. And Jesus could have said, hey, I'm going to build a new temple. Or at that time, they didn't all come to the temple. They would go to synagogue. So in Capernaum and Nazareth, we see Jesus going to the synagogue. So Jesus could have said, I'm going to build a synagogue that everybody comes to. He doesn't use those words. The word that he chooses when he says, I will build my church, he uses the word ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. 
And the, the word ecclesia in the ancient world didn't mean church. It's not the word for church in Greek. Ecclesia is the word for assembly. In the Greek wor- world, when they heard ecclesia, they heard, they, the, it was the word for assembly. So what, the way we could read Matthew 16, 18 is, I will build my assembly and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my assembly and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So uh, if you want to take some notes next to Matthew 16, 18, or just kind of in this series, um, the first major point here, I feel like, to rediscover church is that it's a gathered people. The church is an assembled people. We are a gathered people. He's brought us from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education levels, different political affiliations, and it's a gathered people each with the Spirit of God dwelling within them because people have put their trust in Jesus for salvation of sin, given their lives to Jesus, believing His way to be the only way. And so, in its very definition, a church is a gathered people. Imagine how weird it would be as we're going into softball and baseball season if you had a baseball team that had no roster. You're like, hey, did you hear about the Collins Maxwell high school baseball team? Yeah, but, but no roster. You're like, that's really strange. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, you know. And when you think of a church, we think of this has a roster, a, a Jesus roster that he has assembled for his purposes a roster. Now, an important thing to see in addition to this, look at 1 Corinthians 11. So this is what, what Opal read, proclaimed over us. 1 Corinthians 11, starting verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, When you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I command you in this? No, I will not. This passage is super interesting. Um, It dives into all sorts of aspects of unhealthiness in the church in Corinth in the area of Greece, not too far from Athens. And the Lord is doing a lot in correcting them. And for our purposes, we're not going to dive into the particulars of what he's correcting, why he's correcting them, what that means for us. Um, all of those things are helpful and are, are, are necessary and right and good. But for our purposes, let's observe how they are considered to be a church. 
how are they considered to be a church? And as we look through this, it says, when you come together. And then look at this again. When you come together as a church. Verse 20, when you come together. And then towards 22, do you not despise the church of God? So when you come together, when you come together as a church, when you come together, why are you, are you despising the church of God? And uh, I, I think I said this maybe even a month ago, and uh, I stand by what I said, but I'm going to be slightly corrected by what I said too, is it, it is right to say the church is not a place. You know, like if, uh, if Mr. Grandin's here as the principal superintendent of Collins Maxwell, and he walks in here tomorrow with a bunch of elementary kids, it's, he's not going to be like, oh, I'm at church. <laughs> like, it's not going to be like that. Um, it's accurate, though, to say the church is not a place, it's a people. The church is not a place, it's a people. That's accurate. I think what is more accurate and what 1 Corinthians 11 is leading us into is that the church is a people gathered in a place. So the church isn't just a, a people and not a place. The church is a people gathered in a place. And that's the assumption of 1 Corinthians 11. It's a truer statement. The church is a people gathered in a place. And where we saw that that the church is a gathered people, a second point to see here is that the church is, it's a gathering people. So it's a, it's a people who have been placed on a roster. So it's like a team that first has a roster. Jesus assembles this roster of people to come together. And as you have a roster, now the people are gathering. So the church is a people that Jesus has brought together and then those people get together. They're a gathering people. Imagine being the baseball coach, and once a roster is set, you say, hey guys, we're going we're gonna to gather every day for practice. Um, we're going we're gonna to play a bunch of games. And here are the dates of the games. There they are. And imagine if people get the schedule for the practices, get the schedule for the games, and they're like, what? I'm going to have to move my life around to make this happen. Every day? Like, this is going to make us make some changes if we're going to actually do this. And, uh, and the coach might be like, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how it works, is if you are on the roster, you gather you're not just gathered onto the roster, and then you're like, well, I'm on the team because my name's, you know, sixth in line. Instead, once you're on the team, you know, like, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a rhythm here, and, and then we're going to fit our life around the practices and the games and stuff like that. And we see it all the time. I mean, like, Silas joined the baseball team last week, and Saturday, mo yesterday morning, we're in Nevada watching a scrimmage. And it was like, man, this was not on my radar at all a week ago. Like, I didn't think I was, had other plans for my Saturday morning. And here I am, and I'm actually glad to be here. <laughs> and I'm rooting my son on and getting a sunburn, you know. And, uh, and so as confused as the coach would be to have resistance that you would gather regularly, 
As confused as the coach would be, 1 Corinthians 11 is equally confused. So a church isn't just a roster floating out there somewhere. A church is the roster gathering together, the roster assembled together. And man, let me just say to you, like, if you are like, oh gosh, Tim is preaching the sermon, like he's getting ready to, to hit me with a one-two punch, and he's preaching this right to me, this is all about me, he's going to start shaming me and making me feel guilty that I'm not here all the time. Like, I intentionally, like, I'm sinful, I go astray, I need people to come around me, but I hope to never, ever preach a sermon with one person in mind. If I do, that is cowardice. What I need to do is just have a meeting with that person and talk to them. It would be foolish for me to say, oh, I'm going to proclaim this to everybody so that I don't have to have a conversation with this person here. Um, so, so just know, like, that's where I'm at. Is I, when I preach something, I am praying and planning, Lord, this is for all of us. And for none of us, should shame, guilt be the direction we go? Or even anger at me. The direction should, what I am commanded to do is to preach this. And we will, in three weeks, we're going to just talk about a sermon and why we do this and why Jesus calls us to do this. Um, but he actually says, command these things. And man, it's not popular in our culture for, you know, to be like, hey, where'd you hear this? And you're talking to a friend. And you're like, well, my pastor commanded me this on Sunday. And they'd be like, and you're doing that? Didn't you fire him? Didn't you, like, you know, put them on leave for being so prideful? No, like, it's, I'm going to stand before Jesus one day, and he's saying, didn't I tell you to command these things in my word? And you were too afraid to do it? or whatever it may be. Now, I can go beyond, like if Jesus like, command this, and I'm like, well, I'm going to add a few of my own points to it. That's where I need to repent. But I never should repent of what he said. Proclaim this as clearly as you can possibly proclaim it, even if it doesn't sound good in our culture. So please don't hear that I'm speaking to you. Please don't hear that anyone's being singled out in this room. But if you feel like this is being spoken directly to you, that is the Holy Spirit communicating to you and counseling you so that you can thrive in Him. So receive that and don't reject it, but don't receive it from me, receive it from Him. And we could spend a lot more time here, but for now, let's let Hebrews 10.24 wrap up our time this morning. Hebrews 10.24 through 25. And remember, this is around the rediscover church and rediscover the gathering of the church. Hebrews 10, and, and maybe I said all that up to now because I think this verse can be leveraged for guilt, leveraged for shame, leveraged to be like, hey, let me get these people to change their ways. Now, I want God to change us through this verse, but in a way that he has our best, he loves us, and he is guiding us to freedom. So Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
So the third and final major point here to rediscover church is it's a gathering of people being changed. So the church has been gathered, the church is a gathering, and then it's a gathering of people being changed. So as we gather, we are stirring up one another to love and good works. Our world needs more love and good works. I don't think you'll disagree with me there. Your life and my life needs less judgment you know, and not be like, man, I'm really looking for a good person to judge me. Or I'm looking to, to judge somebody, you know, let me know I'm on the prowl or whatever it may be. It's healthy and right and good for us to sharpen each other, come around each other, even rebuke each other, but all done in love and with loving hearts. And here, as we gather and as we are meeting together, Part of our gathering is not just to come, hear something, and leave. It's to stir up one another to love and good works. Neg neglecting the meeting can become a habit, as is the habit of some. Man, we've fallen out of the habit of, of gathering. We've fallen out of the habit of coming to church. It lets us know it's a habit. Like, you develop the habit in your family. Like, this is what we do. It, when it's this block of time, this is what... We are doing meeting together is where we're stirring up each other. And the great thing about habits is habits can change. Some of you wrote the, read the book uh, Atomic Habits. It's kind of a, has been a New York Times bestseller, and it talks about like you're, you're, we are able to change our habits. Encourage each other, as it says here, all the more as you see the day drawing near. The last day. Whenever you see in Scripture the day. It's meaning about the last day here and the first day of eternity. So the writer of Hebrews is actually saying, when you consider whether or not you're going to gather, think about when this is all over. Think about the day. So much of our pursuits will mean nothing on that day. But investing in seeing each of us changed, like truly changed, not looking to be like religious people, but each of us truly being changed to, love, to genuinely love who we wouldn't love unless Jesus was loving us. And that doesn't make us religious prudes, but what it makes us is a people on mission for good in our community. On that day, the importance of gatherings like today will be seen as being truly a good use of our time. So, so in light of, of those verses, like what are, what are the implications for us? And just have a few, I mean, the, the Spirit could be giving them and teaching you and counseling you as, as the Holy Spirit does. And at the same time, I think these are implications that should be true for all of us. So the first one is marvel at the church gathered. Marvel at the church gathered. I, I had an opportunity, um, Silas had just been, Silas was like two months old, and I had the opportunity to go to Israel for a month um, as a student. And so we didn't have to go with the tour guide. We were able to just, just go wherever we wanted in, in Israel. And I remember spend, I spent several days in the area of the temple where the temple once stood. 
And, you know, all of these tourists came and were like, man, like right here is where Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, they, they believe. Right here is where David wrote all the Psalms that he wrote and Solomon did the things he did. And right here, all these things happen. But then to say like right here for hundreds of years, the presence of God dwelt at the temple. And I'm like, and the, the wailing wall is as close as Jewish people are able to get because the, the non-Jewish people who live there don't allow them to go closer. Like this is as close as they can get. And so for them, it's the closest they can get to where God's presence once dwelt. And I wasn't being, it wasn't because I was smart or whatever. I felt like it was God. When I was there, it struck me. Like I've raised all this money, um, like all this stuff has happened for me to get close to see where God's presence once dwelt. And today, when you believe in Jesus, it says the Holy Spirit comes and it comes on you and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it struck me like looking at my dad is more amazing than if I was in Jerusalem in the old city looking where the presence of God once dwelt. Right? Looking at Mary, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I don't have to fly across the ocean to see where the Holy Spirit is dwelling. I can marvel at this room and be like, what's happening here is unbelievable. People should fly all around the, from the world to come here. But they don't have to because they can go to their local body of believers, which is true of those people there as well. So, you know, with hearts walking with Jesus, uh, forgetting what lies ahead, focusing on what lies, forgetting what lies behind, focusing on what lies ahead, when we walk in this room, we should have our breath taken away. Like, oh my gosh. And then we get to know each other's stories and been like, man, I wouldn't have done that for you. I wouldn't have rescued you. I would have smeared your face in it. I would have felt justice and I would have had to teach you a lesson. But to be like, man, we have all been forgiven, freed, are being set free, and we can marvel at the church gathered. Marvel. Another implication. Make the church gathering a non-negotiable part of your life. Non-negotiable part of your life. Let the rest of life fit around it. Let the rest of life fit around it. So like if I said non-negotiable, I am owning a Tesla Cybertruck, which I think is the ugliest thing that's ever been designed. You know, but if I just say non-negotiable, I'm owning one of those when they're available. Well, I'd have to start selling stuff, all this stuff. I'd have to, have, have to meet with all sorts of people who would call me to repent and all this stuff. But I'd be trying to fit my life around that. If the church gathering is a non-negotiable part of your life, I had a mentor of mine in seminary um, who he talked about how just a very common way of thinking is I need to take a step back from the church so that I can spend time with my family. I need to spend, I need to take a step back from the church so that, so, you know, we're going to, we're going to spend a few weeks and I'm not against vacations or any of this stuff. I'm saying you're the regular habit of your life. Some people said, Hey, we're going to take a step back from church for the sake of our family. And I remember what he said is how in the world 
do you expect to have a healthy family if you don't have a healthy relationship with the church? How do you expect to be on an island somewhere with your family when the church is where we're lifting each other up and the things that you are discipling in your kids by saying church is non-negotiable? Us being a part of the gathering of God's people and what God does when we come together, what the Holy Spirit does when we come together, can, cannot be trumped. It cannot be trumped. So just one policy that we have as a family, um, and man, I know like this is a unique thing in rural Iowa with sports and sports teams and stuff. We've lived in suburban and urban areas for almost 20 years before this, and it, it's very different in those areas. But what I feel like we've even had to fight for as a family is that if there is anything that would have our kids miss church or miss going to the well on Sunday nights as a regular habit of our lives, it's just a no. It isn't even like, well, hey, if I go here, I'm going to get a million dollars a week. I'd be like, it do, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to me to get a million dollars a week. If I'm not leading my kids, our kids are, at our, are in our homes for such a short amount of time that we need to teach them the priorities of life that will serve them well for a lifetime. And saying no to good things to say yes to the best thing. And man, once again, no shame, no, no guilt. You can have sorrow that's like, man, I, 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 need to ch I, I feel bad for the last 20 years. You can have sorrow that leads to repentance, that leads to change. And that's being a changing people. But shame leads you to cower in a corner and feel terrible. And Jesus says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So be changed, but don't cower in a corner. And let's talk about it too. And once again, that's not to text people and be like, Tim just made a comment about you. No, this is a comment for all of us as we are seeking to say, how now shall we live as we follow you? And then the third one is, so marvel at the church gathered. Make the church gathering a non-negotiable part of your life. And yes, there will be exceptions. And what I would say too is if you are in Hawaii on a Sunday morning, I would encourage you to go to a, a great church there and just marvel at the people that Jesus has assembled to be on mission in Hawaii and be like, tell me your story. Wow, he's doing that here? Like, like be a part of that and lead your kids to be a part of that too. Third, give space for the church gathering to be a place of transformation. Give space for the church gathering to be a place of transformation. We have three gatherings a week as a church that we pray into. So we have this Sunday morning gathering. We have the well for our middle school, high school students Sunday night. And then we have our community groups throughout the week as they gather. So we have three times that we're praying as the Lord gathers us that he would transform us. Um, and most people will be a part of two of these uh, potentially, you know, most aren't a part of three of them. And if I stick with baseball, imagine if you're on the roster, and then you call the coach and say, coach, I really want to be the best baseball player that I, that I can be. I really want to be transformed into the best baseball player that I can be, but I can't make any of the practices and any of the games. So I just want to meet individually with you 
for you to personally coach me so that I can be the best that I can be or whatever it may be. And I think the coach's best response would be not to bite at that. The coach would say, no, what we do is we've all worked our schedules around this moment. And we all come to this moment ready to be changed, ready to be transformed. And it's in this moment that we're all expecting to be what, what we're called to be and, and to walk into what we're called to be. And that doesn't mean in the Christian life, you aren't personally reading your Bible at home, fasting, praying, uh, growing. That's important. You know, it'd be the same as if someone's like on a great team and all they do at home is eat Twizzlers. It's like what you do at home is going to matter with what you do when we gather. But when you come to gather, expect to be changed. And I think one of my, one of what I've just realized is that what I would encourage everybody to just make a habit of is to come a little early and stay late. So like as, like as a family, if I know like we shoot to be done around 11.15-ish, it's a pretty flexible time that at times we are like, man, we got to hem it in. We went really long last week. But 11.15 is generally what we're shooting for. Don't schedule lunch at your house at 11.20. Say, hey, why don't you come 12, 12.30? I'll text you. We'll see what's happening. I might be in deep prayer with people at our church. I might be doing this. I might be doing this. But because we've all, we, we've all committed to gather Let's commit to transformation as we gather, as Hebrews 10 is sharing with us here, that um, you'll give that buffer to visit with people. Give that buffer to pray together, not to rush out. Pray together to encourage each other. Go up to people and be like, man, I just need encouragement. And be like, man, are we supposed to do that here? But instead, be like, yes, of course, man, I got nothing. My skill. How about, why don't you come over for lunch? To know, to be known, be open to be changed, give space to be changed, pursue transformation. And my question for all of us is would you be open to be changed right now? Would you be open to be changed right now? Maybe for you, the, the first change. The first move by the great mover is to give your life to Jesus and say, man, I, I want to be a part of this. I, I, I want to live this out. None of this makes sense unless God is real and alive and well and building his church. And I believe those things now. And I give my life to you, Jesus. Change me right now. I want to see my whole family changed, living their life, rediscovering church. Would you be open to be changed in your view of church? That we could actually fight together, not against each other, but for each other to truly be the church that Jesus has designed for us to be. Being changed and seeing our communities changed for his purposes. One of the ways that we do that is not by being like, Jesus, I got it from here but to say, like, Jesus, I want all this to be true. I want my involvement in a church to be one of the most significant things that I talk about 30 years from now. I, I, I want my, what Jesus is doing in our lives right now as he has gathered us, assembled us, to be him walking with us each day to fulfill his sacred mission in our lives. 
And so the way that we do that is by coming to him, is by saying, Jesus, I want these things to be true. You need these things. You need to give me the ability to live this out. And communion is his design, not just to eat a little thing and drink a little thing, but it's a tangible way that we are responding to him. It's a tangible way that we're communing with him, that we're meeting with him. Not ideas about him, but we're actually communing with him, being changed by him, having us, him, align our hearts, our minds, our lives to his heart, mind, and life. And so if those who are serving communion uh, would come forward, they'll have gloves on, uh, they, will, they will take the bread and they will put it in your hand. They will tell you that this is the body of Jesus given for you. Take wine or juice, obey your conscience there. And what I would encourage you to do is, um, if you're coming to Jesus right now, come to Jesus right now. Um, I, I would love to talk with you about that if, if that would be necessary, but you can just come to him. For everybody, don't rush to the table. Spend a few moments meeting with him, having, us, having him correct you, show you something, encourage you with something, uh, then boldly come to the table. The way we'll do is come down the center aisle, uh, get the elements, and then hold on to them and stay standing, and we'll take it together. So let's respond to him. Let's come to him.